The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody is Tuesday, September twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. It is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, I am Mike Heck. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope you're all having a great start to the week. Vacation Mike has come and gone, although technically it was more like a vacation let or let vacation let. It's like a mini vacay, but didn't really. We're still doing stuff pretty much on a daily basis for the website in terms of hosting programs and stuff. But it was nice to just kind of get away, relax a little bit, play a little golf, you know, get some more time. With the exercising, hang out with the fam, all that good stuff. And I was able to accomplish a lot of that. Went to the beach on Sunday with the familia, including the dog. The dog had the time of his life. He went in the car, and the last time he – basically the last 10 times he's been in the car, he's been going to, like, grooming appointments or to the vet. So, of course, he was freaked out the entire time. But once he got out of the car, he realized what he was, wh- where he was, and – he was the happiest pooch on earth. And my nine-year-old was the happiest nine-year-old on earth. The wife and I got to connect a little bit because she's been so busy and I've been so busy. So it was a good time. It was a good time. And we have a very busy week to return to in the world of mixed martial arts. We got Invicta. We got one championship. They have two cards, I believe, including their return to Amazon Prime later on this week. And then on Saturday... We got ourselves a doubleheader. 
The UFC is back. UFC Vegas 61, the main event, Mackenzie Dern versus Yan Zhaonan. Not the greatest card of all time, but it's fights. And then later on, a few hours later, Bellator 286 will go down in Long Beach, California. That card's actually really strong. This main card is really, really good. Juan Archuleta, Enrique Barzola, Aaron Pico, Jeremy Kennedy's a great fight. AJ McKee going up to 155 to fight, to fight Spike Carlisle. That fight should be bananas. And, of course, the main event for the featherweight championship, Patricio Pitbull defends against Adam Borge. So a lot to talk about, a lot going on. BKFC has a card this week as well. We'll see the BKFC debut of Ben Rothwell. I know our own Steve Morocco had a chance to talk to Big Ben. I think that's going to be up on YouTube sometime this week, but a lot to talk about. So let's just get after this thing. Let's turn it over to you guys. And we'll get into it. We will kick things off with Four Corner Sports. Hey, Hello. what's going on, Mike? Um, question. And I just wanted to know, I saw um, your boy, Big Marcel, he ended up retweeting something about no fans or media that's going to be attendance for UFC um, Vegas 61. I just wanted to know why is that um, and why are they only available to attend for the weigh-ins and not uh, able, to, able to attend for uh, the actual fight along with fans as well. That's all I wanted to ask. All right. Thank you. Thanks, man. So I'm sure you guys have seen all the reports. We confirmed this as well, that UFC Vegas 61, no fans, no media. I can't really get into it because I don't know for sure. I've heard things. I've heard rumblings. I've heard rumors and innuendo, if you will. And it's not something I'm willing to talk about because we just haven't confirmed it. No one's really talking about it, but uh, all I can go by is is what I've heard. And I can't really say anything because I've learned that lesson already. <laughs> so uh, hopefully there'll be some sort of statements about it. But as of now, that I mean, that's the case. It'll be normal media coverage. Media Day will have, I mean, they'll all be in there for the Contender Series later on today. Forgot to mention that one. Bo Nickel headlining against Donovan Beard later on tonight. But I've heard some things, but nothing is is nothing is to the point where I can say it out loud or I can report anything. So, um, so there you go. I'll just leave it at that. But I, I can tell you this. Personally, for me, I am working on something for Saturday, trying to figure it out, trying to put the pieces together. It is not going to be easy to do. But what I will say is I am working on, at least with the relationships that I have with the fighters that are on the card, I'm trying to work on some sort of, some sort of thing where the winners will check in with us. Maybe we'll just jump on like, a quick FaceTime or a quick Zoom chat or something so we can get some sort of reaction to these fights. Because I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to do like a, a virtual thing or – I don't know. And if they don't do that, I'm going to do my damnedest to try to get as many people to jump in and just – you know, even if it's just for like three to five minutes. A couple questions, maybe even do like some fan stuff. I don't know. It's It's being worked on. I've got a couple of managers who are interested in that, but – no one really knows the full details at a confident level. So 
just know that we're trying to do something if there is no sort of scrum or virtual scrum or anything like that with the winners of the card. But yeah, I'm looking at this one and I mean, it's, there's some decent fights on here. It's, it's weirdly shaped if you will. But I mean, if we're talking which main card is better, um, it's the Bellator card and it's not even close if we're being honest, but there are some good stuff. I mean, there's some decent stuff in this card. I mean, the main event's solid. Randy Brown versus Francisco Trinaldo. Barcelos Trevor Jones should be chaotic. Yusuf fighting John, Don Shanus. I talked to John Shanus on Friday. I will put that interview up on the podcast feed on Thursday uh, for the heck of a morning feed. And then John Castaneda, Daniel Santos, and Mike Davis, Vyacheslav Borshev. That's the main card. But I think the Bellator card is is better and the stakes are higher if that makes sense let's go to my man abs walia and then we'll go to viking mma abs walia hey, hello up, man? how are you good, good how are you good so um i have uh three quick questions my first question is do you have any inside info on who's going to be headlining uh 282 and 283 uh, my second question is, um, who do you see winning between Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen, and what's in stake for both fighters? And my third question is, um, is it true that the rumor that Hamzat fighting Costa could be in December or early next year? That's all I have. Thanks, man. Okay, so the last question, I have no, I literally have no idea. Um I think if they're going to go with that fight, it'll probably be January because, I mean, just do it in January. Do it in Rio. It's a very big deal. Get Costa fighting in Rio, and Shamayev will be public enemy number one there. I think it makes sense just to wait a month if you're going to do that fight. But, again, as we talked about last week on the show, just because somebody tweets something out doesn't mean it's fact. So Shamayev tweeting out 185, that doesn't mean that he's fighting at 185 yet. It doesn't mean he has a fight book. doesn't mean anything set in stone. Uh, I've tried to reach out and get some sort of clarity on that from some people close to him. And it seems like it's kind of up in the air right now from the responses that I've gotten. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? As far as 282 and 283 go, I don't know. I don't know. Like – from what I understand, and this has been kind of the same trail that we have been on for a little while, I think 282 is kind of ten, it's kind of set on John Jones. Like, if jo- is John Jones going to fight in December? Is he going to fight Stipe in December? And from what I understand, it's not close to happening. So, some people that we've spoken with have said that it's it's pretty much tangent on John Jones, whether or not he fights. And that's kind of the 282 story right now. But like I've said many times, if you're team Jones, you might as well just wait for Francis to come back. You might as well wait to see how those negotiations go because if Francis is ready to go in February or March, that's the fight we all are trying to get to anyways. So why not just wait for that fight? I know it kind of leaves Stipe out into the cold in a way, but we all, it seems like everybody has the same goal here. Fans, the UFC, the fighters, Francis, Francis's team, they all want the John Jones fight. Everybody wants that fight. So why throw John in there with Stipe 
in December if Francis can fight in February or March? Make doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And then what if Stipe wins? Then you lose the fight altogether, at least for the for the foreseeable future. Maybe John's get, John gets a couple of wins, he gets back, but if you're gonna strike, you gotta strike quickly, and because who knows what's gonna happen? This is just a crazy sport. So if I'm John, I'm probably just waiting, and I'm sure his team's talking about the same thing. But maybe John's just like so ready to come back. Maybe the negotiations between the, the UFC and France and Ganu don't go very well, and then you have to do a title fight. Like just he's just gonna get stripped of the belt, and we go with John versus Stipe for the actual title. I don't know. There's just a lot of things in play right now, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Which kind of leaves 283 up in the air because the fight we all thought was kind of slotted in for 282 was the rematch between Yuri Prohashka and Glover Teixeira. I know that fight was offered for January. Didn't seem like all parties were on board for that. I think you understand where I'm coming from. So the plan was to possibly do that in December, but now we have all this stuff going on with John. What are we going to do? So who knows? It's, it's still up in the air. I wish I had like a solid answer for you, but I, I just don't. Everything's just kind of fluid right now when it comes to all of this. My gut is telling me that we probably won't see John Jones in December, but who knows? A lot can happen between now and then where – Maybe the UFC and Francis just don't figure it out. Francis is like, I'm done. I'm not resigning. And then the UFC just goes all in on getting John on that card. But as of right now, Francis is going to fight and stick around with the UFC. Then, I mean, it's not worth putting John in in December if he could just fight two months later and fight Francis. As far as Cater and Allen go, it's a really good fight. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good fight. I'm leaning Calvin to win. I just think he's fought better competition overall. I think he's been in, he's been in a ton of five-round fights, so he's got that experience. Arnold's real good, though. Like, this is the right fight to make. This is the perfect fight to make. So we're going to see how good Ar- Arnold is. Is Arnold ready for a title shot? At stake, I don't think... I don't know. It's, it's kind of it's tough to talk stakes. Like, all these questions are sort of up in the air right now. Even this one, because we don't know what's going on with Volkanovski. Is he going to go up to 155? Does, is it contingent on who wins at UFC 280 between Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira? Where does Volkanovski factor into this thing? Now, I know Volkanovski's done some media and has said that he's planning on being the backup fighter for UFC 280 if something happens, which is pretty cool since he was sort of banged up in, Jan- in July when he fought Max Holloway. So... I would say the winner of that fight is probably if Arnold wins, he's a win away, especially with the UFC, the UFC wanted to go back to London, go back to the UK as much as possible. Giving Allen a title shot on a pay-per-view card would be huge. And then we just kind of go from there, but it's a very big fight. It's a very big fight. Cater needs this one badly. I still thought he beat Josh Emmett. A lot of people thought he beat Josh Emmett. Cater's kind of tired of talking about it, but this is a fight that Calvin and his team have wanted for a long time. So they've wanted it since the Holloway fight. It was almost booked multiple times last year. Allen was just banged up. So Cater ended up fighting Giga Chikadze. We all saw that performance. So yeah, it's a big fight for both guys. If Cater wants to get to that title shot, if he wants to break that ceiling, so to speak, he's got to beat Arnold Allen. And he's a fresh matcher for Volkanovski. So it's not like 
it's not like he's out of the conversation, but he probably needs another big win, maybe two, and he's in there. And if Allen wins, he's probably a win away. So there's definitely stakes there. To what extent, I don't know, because we don't know what's going on with Volkanovsky with his health. We don't know what's going on with him in regards to maybe going up to 155 and trying to get that second title. So I kind of hope he sticks at 145, but we'll see what happens. Let's go to Viking. Viking, what's up? All good, Mike. All good. Um, my question is about uh, the UFC 280, and I just want to ask what fans and other fighters are going to think about the losing fighter between Charles and Makachev's fight. I mean, we all know that they are coming with a, such a big amount of hype and all the stuff. So I'm sure people are not going to say that that fighter is going to bounce back and all that other stuff. So one of them is going to lose the, all the respect, if that's true. Thank you, Mike. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but I think we also understand how, especially here on Twitter, I think we understand how fans can work sometimes and you get treated pretty awfully with the loss you're over it, especially those who bet on fighters. I still don't understand how you can place a bet on a fighter and then a fighter loses and then you just go slide into their DMs and tell them they suck and they're pieces of shit. Like, I just don't understand why people do that, but to each their own. I would say, just judging by what I've seen on social media, I think Oliveira is kind of the to go pro wrestling here. I think Oliveira is kind of the baby face in this kind of scenario. If he loses, it's, I think fans will somehow have like built in excuses for him. Oh, he had to go to Abu Dhabi. Oh, he should have never got stripped of the title, all these different things. And plus he's not really, Oliveira's not really talking a lot of trash. There's really no questions. He should be in this fight. He just beat, he beat Justin Gaethje and he finished him in the first round. There's no question he should be in this fight. There are a lot of questions about Islam Makachev right now amongst the MMA community. Did he deserve this over a guy like Benil Dariush or other guys at 155? Did, there are other people who feel like Chandler deserved this opportunity over Islam Makachev. I'm not really one of those guys, but I think Islam is the most intriguing fight of them all. But if you look at the resumes, and again, this is not Makachev's fault because he's tried to get lined up with some of these higher-ranked guys, RDA... Darius, and then opponents get injured and he is just slotted in to fight whoever is willing to say yes. And that's what he's done. And he's earned this opportunity. It's not like he's going in there and just eking out decisions over these guys. He's flattening them. He's running them all over. He's finishing them quick. So he deserves this opportunity. But if he loses to Charles Oliveira, I can already see it now. He was overrated. He didn't deserve it in the first place. He didn't beat a top five guy, all that. So if we're talking about how fans will view these fighters after the fact, I would say that there's more pressure on the Makachev side of things than there is on the Oliveira side of things. I think Oliveira's kind of paid his dues in the questions with the, oh, he doesn't have any hearts. We need to, you know, he's a front runner all these things. If you get him hurt, he quits. I think he's answered all those questions by now because even heading into the Justin Gaethje fight, we're still getting those comments. And I still didn't understand why it was just egregious, egregious to say those things after his last couple of wins. But there were still 
questions about Oliver's heart and his determination and all that and his durability. I don't think there's any more questions. I think all of the questions now are on the Makachev side and he seems to have a big chip on his shoulder and Habib does as well, even as his coach. So I think there's more pressure on the, on the Makachev side when it comes to how fans view the winner and or loser than there is for Oliveira. But yeah, that's what I think. It's a good question though. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's go to Average Avenues. Hello. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. So I was reading um, some articles on MMA Friday today, and I noticed that Sean O'Malley is upset that he's um, a betting underdog against Piotr Jan. He's delusional, right? Anyway, have a good day. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't blame him for feeling that way because he's a fighter and he thinks he's if – you're, if you're crazy enough to get into a cage and fight, you have to believe that you're the best in the world at it. You just have – like you have to believe that. So for O'Malley, if this is what he needs to say to get him up for this fight, like I don't know how he needs – if this is what he needs to get him over the hump, so to speak, and to boost his confidence and to get him ready – to travel and do all that stuff and, and fight a guy like Piotr Jan, then cool. Four to one seems a little crazy. Like I, I actually think this is a much more competitive fight on paper than people give it credit for just because O'Malley's so big. He's so long. He's defensively sound, maybe not with the leg kicking game, but the length, the pat, like the guy can crack. I, I think it's an interesting matchup. Like I'm favoring Jan to win, but like I've said before, some people agree with me. Some people don't. If I'm Sean O'Malley, I'm just getting after it. As soon as that, as soon as the ref says go, I'm just throwing everything but the kitchen sink at Piotr Jan. I'm not let, letting him sort of download the information like he typically does. I'm not letting him get comfortable. I'm just getting right after him. We're not playing any games here. And if he just goes in there and he and he clips Piotr Jan with something and Jan Hump somehow survives and comes back and wins a decision, like O'Malley's stock's still going to rise. The dude went in there, went hammer and tongs with Piotr Jan, former champion, a guy many consider to be the best bantamweight in the world. And he lost a close decision, but had his moments. That's fine. Now, obviously, O'Malley has, if O'Malley wins this fight, he's fighting for the belt next. But if that's what he needs to say, then 
that's what he needs to say. Whether we feel he's delusional or not, I actually feel like he's much more competitive in this fight than people give it credit for. I think, honestly, he's got a, he's got a chance to win. When I saw it first booked, I was like, eh, don't really know. But the more I look at it and the more I watch tape on both of these guys, I think O'Malley's pretty live. Look at this, look at this line right now. So minus, where is he at? Pianer on minus 380, Sean O'Malley come back plus 310. You're not betting on Jan in this fight. You're not money lining Pianer Jan. If you're going to place money on any of these guys from a betting perspective, you're going to take the dog shot on O'Malley at plus 310. There's a ton of value there. It's a clear, look, we're all in agreement. This is a huge step up in competition. But O'Malley has a weird, long, lanky, athletic style to him that could give Piotr fits. And Piotr hasn't had a three-round fight in a long time. And O'Malley's had a lot of three-round fights. So I'm, I'm real interested to see how Jan... Because Jan's such a good five-round fighter. So good. The Sterling one wasn't his best because he just kind of got dominated in those first couple rounds. But the tides definitely turned in that Sterling fight down the stretch. And that's what Jan usually does. He usually gets better as the fight goes on, but how is he going to use that energy for 15 minutes instead of 25? That's, that's a big question. So I like the matchup. I think this should be line. I honestly think this should be lined a little bit closer. I'm fine with Jan being a favorite. You want to put Jan at like minus 280 minus 290. I'm okay with that. That's not an egregious line, but right now looking at, I, I think the line will close closer to October 22nd, but I think O'Malley's worth a dog shot at plus 310 right now. No freaking doubt about it. Let's go to Mikey Bats. What's up, man? Good, how are you? Shout out to the boy. Good. And Ant Walker in the in the group today. Stop ducking me, bro. <laughs> I was just kidding. Um, man, this has been a good, good, good week of fight, man. We got the Bo Nickel tonight. Invicted tomorrow, what the one prime two Friday, and then Dern and Bellator, the UFC Vegas sixty one, and then Bellator Saturday. I mean, like this is a really good week. What do you think about all those cards, man? Which which fights are you looking forward to among those? All right, that'll be all for now. I know I'm a little lame, but I'm a little tired. So, all right, much love, guys. See you there. Thank you, Mikey. Um... Man, if I have to make like a super card, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the car a lot of the fights will be from Bellator. I think Bellator is the best card of all. Let's see if I had to make like a main card from all of these, I'd put the title fight from one on there for sure. I'd put the Bellator title fight. I'd put Jan Dern. I'd put I'm gonna do it like a six or seven fighter here. I'll do McKee Carlisle. I'll do Pico Kennedy. Do I want to put Archuleta Barzola on there as well? Um, I'm going to put the Rug Rug fight on there. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the main card opener for this like super card. And then we got a pretty, I mean, we got a pretty good prelim as well. Look, I, I, the Randy Brown for Cisco Trinaldo fight is going to be fun. But, I mean, if we're talking about like the best fights of the weekend – that's probably like the 10th best fight of the weekend. Bellator's, I mean, Bellator's card's strong. Like even like Max, Max Roshkoff, I'm really interested to see 
him on this big stage again. Like I know he's fought for cage warriors since that UFC loss and everything he's gone through since then, but he's going to get tested big crowd, big promotion, fighting a guy who's going to test him in a big way. Mike Hamill, Mike Hamill isn't like the most well-known dude of all time, but the dude can grind and just think about what Mike Hamill has done since going to Bellator. Look at the guys he's had to fight. He fought Adam Boric, and I actually thought it was, I mean, it was a split decision, but I have to go back and watch that one. I remember watching that one live. I'm like, did Mike Hamill just beat Adam Boric? Because it was close. And then his second fight in Bellator, he fights freaking Usman Nurmagomedov and actually went the distance with him. The dude is tough. He's durable. And then he went on to win his next two fights. But this Bellator card is is really strong. Samiko Naba's back. Weber Almeida's back. Bobby Cerronio, I'm pretty high on as a prospect. He's back in there. Keone Diggs is in there. Islam Mabadov is fighting Nick Brown. That's a crazy fight. Like, this is a good card. This is this is Bellator's. This is definitely one of Bellator's best. In in the first it's way better than last week's card. Way better than last week's card. And I know people like to say this. I got people like DMing me and stuff. Well, you said the Bellator card was gonna suck and it wasn't that good. First of all, I didn't say it was gonna suck. I said on paper it was kind of a tough hang. And I also said that the Dublin crowd would would bring the energy up a little bit. And the last two, like, the fights, like, the Liam McCord fight was awful. It was an awful fight. And I thought she lost that fight. The Yoel Romero-Melvin Manhoof fight went the way I thought it would go, but just took a little bit longer. That was a brutal, brutal knockout especially when you see the different angles, which you can find on MMAfighting.com, just nasty. And then the main event went exactly the way I thought it was going to go. Like Peter Queeley is, the entrance is great, but when you put these guys side by side, I didn't give, I didn't think he had much of a chance to beat Benson Henderson and Benson showed out and looked great. So yeah, Bellator's got a good one this week. And I think if we're going to create some sort of a super, super card based on all of these, this is, there's going to be a lot of Bellator fights on that mixed together main card because this is a good one. Let's go to Zeke. Zeke, hello. My man, Mike, what's going on, man? Can you hear me? How you doing? Yep. Doing all right. Doing all right. I uh, wish you, the Patriots, and Mac Jones to be recovered. It's like only a high ankle sprain, but who cares about that? We oh, to... God. We got some heck of a morning to kind of, you know, lay up for you. I have a question. What is it going to take to get Glover Jan in Brazil? For, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Glover's retirement fight, but probably if he doesn't win the rematch, probably his last title fight of his career. I would love to see that fight in Brazil. I'm hearing rumors of that. I think it was like Alex Benin tweeted that or whatever. I think that was most recently on my timeline. I kind of put it in my head. Maybe even like a Burns Maz at all on that card, or a, I don't know. I don't know. Costa Chaimiev? In Brazil, like that'd be dope, especially now that we're looking at Chimey for 185. So, yeah, I guess just for two, talk to me. Are we going to get Clover Yan at some point? If it's not this year, maybe next. And then now that we did hear, and maybe it seems to be confirmed, Chimey at 185. If it's not Costa, who is it? Mike, thank you for having me, my man. Let's have a week. Thanks, man. So, just on the Shamaya thing, like I've said last week, and 
said a little bit earlier, nothing set in stone. Nothing set in stone yet. He's saying 185, but that doesn't – people tweet things all the time. Like Nate Diaz can tweet that he's fighting Francis Ngannou next and people are going to go crazy for it. We all know that's not happening. But, I mean, there's a chance, but I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to die on that hill just yet <laughs> that Shemayev is 100% a 185er right now because things could change. And remember, Costa is a little banged up right now, so I don't think he's fighting before the end of the year. And if they want to get Shemayev in before 2022 comes to a close, I don't think he's fighting Paul Costa. So it just is a matter of what they're going to do. Are they going to try to get the Colby fight done? I don't know what they're going to do. Um, Jan Yuri, or sorry, Yuri Glover. I mean, if I'm Yuri, like, I don't want to go to Brazil and fight Glover. I don't want to do that. I'm the freaking champion of the world. I'm the freaking champ. I already had to go to sort of neutral territory and, and fight for the belt to begin with. Singapore is kind of like, you know, it's, it's just, of course, sort of neutral territory. I mean, people obviously know who Yuri was over there because he's had a lot of fights in that region. But, but then have your first title defense in Brazil after all the time away from Brazil. I, I just don't know if he's – I think if it comes down to it, he'll do it. But, again, this all depends from all – everything that I've heard and pe- conversations I've had, this is all dependent on John Jones. It's all dependent on John Jones. Is if John Jones fights December tenth, that fight's probably happening in Brazil. But I also don't think John Jones is fighting December tenth, and because le- there's just so many unknowns. There's so many unknowns. I wish, like, I don't even have a clear path for you. I wish I did, because this Francis thing with the UFC, which remember at the beginning of the year, how big of a story that was, and it still kind of is. But with everything else that has happened in the UFC and in the sport this year, it's almost, it's not an afterthought, but it's almost like we forgot about the fact that Francis and the UFC have to like come to some sort of agreement before the end of the year or Francis is gone. So if you're John and you're the UFC and you're everybody else, you want to get to Francis Ghana versus John Jones. That's the fight you want. That's the fight everybody wants. That's the fight Francis wants. That's the fight John wants. It's the fight Francis' team wants, the fans, Dana, the UFC. It's the fight everybody wants. It's the biggest fight you can make for Francis right now. It's huge, gigantic, humongous. But it all depends on whether or not Francis resigns. And if he resigns, Francis ain't fighting in December. He's fighting in early 2023, probably February, March, April. They're just going to wait. They're just going to wait. But if Francis says, F you, UFC, I'm out. I'm going to go box Tyson Fury. I'm going to go to PFL or go wherever. We got to figure out what we're going to do with this division. Then you could slide John. You could slide Stipe in there and maybe whoever. And you could have John Jones headline that event. But there's no need for John to headline right now until we figure out this Francis thing. If Francis is not going to resign, get John in there just to fight somebody. If he is going to resign, just wait. And it all, it's all on that. It's all on that right now. So it's an interesting situation. But we'll see. I'd love to – getting Glover in, in Brazil would be great. And I think if John ends up headlining December 10th, that fight will probably happen in Brazil. And I'm sure Gary's going to get a little bump. 
to do that. And But if he's got options, Yuri's going to take the option that's not Brazil. But if it comes down to, all right, you don't really have an option now. We got this one. We got this John Jones fight slotted in. You can go fight him in Brazil. I'm sure he would do it, but only if there's no other option. But we'll see. This is all very fluid. This is a strange time. My man, Ant Walker, BTL veteran. What's up, man? Just got to unmute. There we go. Hey, Mike. Uh, good good to go. talk to you again, man. Um, I, I just Absolutely. I just had a, a quick question about Eddie Alvarez. So I, I'm curious what, what his next move is since he's a free agent now. I was thinking it's possible we see a Scott Coker reunion. Um, I think he'd be a good opponent for Benson Henderson. Um, there's a lot really he could do in that late in that lightweight division. It'll be interesting. Um, another option, if Nate Diaz is out there self-promoting, he makes a good opponent too. So what, what do you think? I like both of those ideas. I, I tend to lean towards PFL. I just think that he's the type of guy PFL would just throw a bunch of money at and Eddie being the savvy individual that he is when it comes to money and finances understands that he could probably make the most money. And let's be honest, for the most part, have the lesser competition. He would be the prize fighter and have a chance at a million bucks. So I think PFL and I have no insights to this whatsoever, but this is just my hunch. PFL is probably the front runner, but I'd love to see him back in Bellator. If we can give, get a Benson Henderson fight in there, that'd be cool. And I would love to see the UFC just one-off him and have him fight Michael Chandler one more time. I'd love to watch those two freaking fight again. But, yeah, I don't think that's happening. But I just don't want to see him go to, like, BKFC or something. I don't want to see that. But, yeah, if you want to do PFL, you want to do Bellator, maybe he fights Nate. Somehow, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with all those things. But whatever gets Eddie in there to take the least amount of damage is totally fine with me. But him and Nate, it's actually a pretty interesting idea. Let's go to a hid. Let's tag him in. Yo, what's up? It's the day, Mike, where you're going to put what I say on the headline of Hack of a Morning. You ready? Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Every time you say this, it's like, it just never happens. So you better bring it. Well, I'm optimistic all the time, Mike. You know how it is. Like, <laughs> and you're the one that... Anyway, so, but Mike, is, do you think, in your opinion, is UFC 280 the biggest card of the event of the year? Is UFC 280 the biggest event of the I'm year? I'm asking you just for my point. The biggest depends on you. It's the, I will say it's the, in my opinion, as it states right now, it is the best card of the year on paper. Is it going to be the biggest in terms of like pay-per-view buys and money generated? Eh, I don't really know, but it's definitely the best lineup, I think. Well, the thing is, it's missing one important person, Joe Rogan. We need Joe Rogan uh, in Abu Dhabi. And I know Abu, like he doesn't go abroad. We need to ship him off somehow. Because, listen, I like Paul Felder. I really do. He's the most consistent commentator. He says the least idiotic things out of all of them, uh, out of all the commentators. 
But the thing is, it's like Rogan is just, he provides those memories. Like this card is, this card is the event, but we need Rogan there, especially because DC uh, bumlicks uh, Markachev, right? So Rogan is like that sort of guy. He loves Oliveira because he's so technical, right? So we need Rogan there. So that's what is hashtag Rogan to UFC 280. That's the point, Mike. But also, um, uh, for Hamza and all that stuff. If Hamza's going to, Hamza should fight Paulo Costa in Brazil, UFC 283, which is obviously being headlined or like uh, has the title fight, Moreno, Figueiredo, I think the tetralogy or quadrology, I think it's done. So that's that should be the fight. And you do Colby versus Shafkat. All right, you do Colby versus Shavkat 2022. Winner gets the title fight because I've said this before, Mike. Yeah, Usman Leon is a big fight, but Usman has it's a big fight because Leon's a defending champion in in Britain. But it's not like uh, Bisping and that geriatric Henderson. This is like a legit title fight but Usman has no personality Mike none he has no charisma so you might as well get Colby or even get Shavkat in he doesn't speak English and he's more interesting than Marty so screw Marty Juiceman all right and, and talking about juice lastly Mike obviously we know Conor McGregor the only athlete to not be tested by USADA you know that's Dana White privilege if I've ever seen it drop the mic Mike ah I had it, it, it is an interesting point about the commentary for that card because DC is probably going to be there. Obviously, he is a longtime teammate of Islam Makachev. It's I could see the t- Twitter's just going to explode during that fight, listening to DC's commentary, but I doubt Rogan's going to be there. I get why people would want him there to maybe even DC out if, if that's how you feel or... But I just don't, like, with another pay-per-view coming up, like, two weeks after that in New York, I just don't know if Rogan's going to make that trip and then turn around and go to New York and, and do 281. So it's an interesting point. I, just don't, I, I wonder if, like, this event was this Saturday instead of the 22nd. Would Rogan do that, take a month off, then do 281? I don't know. But I don't think we'll see him. I'd like to see Paul Felder in there. Could be Bisbing. I hope it's Felder. Give me Anik Felder in DC. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I don't know how I'd feel about Anik Bisbing DC. That might be a little tough. A lot of A personality in there. So yeah. The other point about Colby and Shafgat's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Colby Shamayev could happen because I just think Colby's a prize like like I've said a million times Colby is a prize fighter he wants the biggest fights with the biggest stakes Shavkat is a interesting fight and it would be intriguing for us to talk about be an entire heck of a morning about that fight if it gets put on put on the books but Colby's not gonna take that fight Colby's not gonna take that fight beating Neil Magny doesn't get you a Colby fight I mean he ran through Neil Magny but doesn't get you a fight with Colby the problem Shafgat's going to have is he's just he's kind of in that Marab territory right now where no one's going to want to fight this dude. We're going to need Kevin Holland to quote-unquote unretire or Daniel Rodriguez, if he beats Neil Magny, to step up guys who are just going to be willing to fight this guy. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be very difficult to get this man some fights. So 
He's probably going to have to fight backwards a couple of times and kind of get to the point where Marab got. Marab's had to sit there and fight a bunch of unranked dudes and watch Casey Kenny's, the Casey Kenny's of the world, go fight Dominic Cruz and stuff. And he didn't take it personally. He said, I'm going to get my chance. And then he goes out and gets the Jose Aldo fight, and he beats Jose Aldo. So, yeah, this is all interesting. By the way, the Figueredo-Moreno thing, I know reports have come out that that's close to being finalized. Not wholly accurate. I would be, I'll say this, I'll be stunned if that's not on the card. But to say that it's close to being finalized at this time, a little premature, not quite yet. But obviously that card's being discussed. I think it's just a matter of, again, just how all these other things iron out. What happens with John Jones? Do you want to do three title fights on that card? Because I'd be stunned if Amanda Nunes doesn't fight on that card. And who knows if they're going to do the Pena fight or they do Aldana. Biggie Moreno fours there. And then, you know, if John ends up fighting December 10th, do we do Glover, Yuri rematch, and do three title fights on that card? I don't know. Again, it's just a really interesting time right now. And John Jones is kind of the guy that can answer all these questions for us. But without knowing what Francis is going to do, we really don't have any. So it's just kind of a roadblock at this point. And the chips are just going to fall where they may. But I don't know where the hell they're going to fall at this point. It's just very, it's a very strange time for the end of the year. Because a lot of times we have this stuff ironed out and ready to go. And these two cards... For December and January, not we don't know what the hell is going to happen at this point. So, yeah, stay tuned. We will let you know. King Cat, you're up. Hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Um, so my question is, we've got the uh, WMMA um, headlining the Vegas 61 for UFC. And um, whenever people ask, typically ask, like, you know, what are your top three to five or whatever, uh, fights is typically men's fights. So my question to you is, um, what are your top, I'm going to say like three to five uh, women's fights of all time. Thanks. Up three to five women's fights of all time. Um, I mean, Zhang Weili, Ioana and Jacek one is definitely at the top of the list. That fight is just absolutely ridiculous. I'm looking like some lists have that as low as like 15 and I just don't understand why it makes no sense. I will say I'll go, I'll go just the ones Gina Carano versus Chris Cyborg was such a huge fight at the time. So I'll go with that one as well. Um, I mean, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm is a big one. Misha Tate, Holly Holm is a big one. So this four, and then there's there's others. This is like old school Invicta fights that should definitely be on that list. Um, Jessica Penny, Lisa Ellis. I'll go with that one. Those two just holy cow. Penny ended up finishing her in the third round, but that fight was absolutely insane. There's a lot of great women's fights. There's a lot of great women's fights. And I will put 
I'll put Joanna Zhang Wei Li in the top five of best fights of all time. I like we always do these lists because usually the questions I get are is like, what do you think are the best? It's not normally worded as what do you think are the best or the top five best fights of all time. It's usually worded as if there was a newer MMA fan to the sport, like which fights would you show them? And I don't think I mentioned that fight enough, which is my bad because that fight would definitely be on the list, but I just have such a place in my heart for Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler. I just think of that fight just so highly in a lot of ways, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great ones. There's a lot of great ones, but I mean, Joanna Zhang Wei Li one is whew, so freaking good. Let's go to Octagon blog. Octagon, are you there? Just make sure you're on mute. Octagon blog. All right, try again, Octagon blog. Try again. So I'm a, I, I'm not sure if I should say anything, but I'm going to I'm going to put it out into the universe and just hope that good things happen. But uh, a lot of talk about UFC 280 and what's going to be going down at UFC 280 in terms of coverage for that event. Which, by the way, sign me up for any afternoon MMA cards, especially pay per views. I'm all in for that. Uh, we are working on something pretty cool potentially for that card. So stay tuned for that because if we make this happen, if the ideas that have been presented actually come to fruition, I am going to be a very giddy, giddy person. Very, very happy. So we got some cool stuff that we're, that we're discussing uh, potentially for that card. So stay tuned because if this happens, it is going to be spectacular. So, yeah. Anything else? Last call for questions. I don't see anybody in line right now. Maybe we're just recovering from a long weekend or whatnot, but let me see. Let me go into, let me go into the comments here. Uh, one purse, Fight Forge, Gone versus Blades, John versus Stipe. If Francis doesn't resign, two winners for the vacant title. Don't hate that idea. Shea is over John and Francis. Uh, yeah, and that's what we got here. Um, let's go to Tristan. Tristan has stepped up to the plate. I do have some questions in the in the DMs that people wanted as well. Tristan, hello. Hey, Mike. How's everything? Um, Good. My question is, I don't know if you went over this, though. You probably did. I just don't remember the situation. So where does that – so I know we were talking about the heavyweight division, but where does that leave Curtis Blades? Because the thing is now is – is it just depending on what Francis does? Because after – I remember the Siragon fight after he fought two of Asa, and then Siragon is – he was he did not like the idea. Like, I'm not, I'm not fighting um, Curtis Blades. It sounds like he's not going to want to fight Curtis Blades. So is, what is the sequence you think mostly happened? Because my thought process is – if Francis Agano signs, he'll fight John Jones, and Stipe has to fight Curtis Blades. He's not going to have a choice. Or if that doesn't happen, then I guess Stipe will fight John Jones, 
And then I guess Curtis Blades will either fight Cyril Gaon or possibly Tuavasa, but you know Tuavasa is coming off a loss, so I don't know where that where that place is. So just just go over the scenario. What, in your opinion, may happen? Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. So what may happen is I think Kurt, I think Cyril Gaon's fighting Curtis Blades. I think that's the fight that's going to happen, um, even if. Like, if for some reason Francis resigns, they book the fight with John in like February or March, you think Stipe is going to like just up up and fight Curtis Blades? I don't, I don't think so. I think he'll just be like, no, I'll fight fires and hang out with my family and, and I'm just not going to fight unless it's for the title. And maybe that's a kind of a shrewd move on his part. Maybe that will backfire on him, but. I mean, I just don't. Stipe's been out since the Fran- since he lost the belt to Francis. Seems like he's not in any hurry to come back. Would he hurry back to fight Curtis Blades? I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. So, I think either way, it's gonna be it's gonna be Cyril versus Blades. The only other the only other scenario that I think could play out is if. Let's just say Francis says, nope, I'm donezo. I'm not coming back. And the UFC approaches John and Fran- and Stipe to do this fight. And John's like, yeah, I'll fight whenever. And let's just say Stipe says, nah, I want to fight like March. The UFC will just be like, to hell with you. Let's get John in there. And maybe they do John versus Cyril gone. So I don't know. I, I- Stipe's kind of... Steve is in a very strange position, but he's been in strange positions many times before. He's waited the UFC out many times, i.e. the Daniel Cormier trilogy. So I just don't know. If, I don't know if Steve fights unless it's for the title. I just don't know if anything's going to get him out of that, that life he enjoys so much. He loves being a firefighter. He's got two kids now, wife at home, likes hanging out with the fam. So I just don't know if anything besides the title gets him back in the cage. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. But who? I mean, again, this is just such a weird thing. It's all on Francis and it's kind of all on John as well. Let's go to Ahmad. And then we'll go to Kevin. Ahmad, hello. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, so uh, quick question. We've noticed uh, recently uh, fighters towards the end of their career – um, starting their own uh, promotions, uh, like Anthony Perez, Masvidal, you have Eagle FC with Habib, and now Nate Diaz, and, and I'm sure I'm leaving some out. Uh, which one of these do you think has the best chance of becoming a legitimate promotion that is you know, at a competitive level with the big ones? And if you do see one, I mean, in my opinion, maybe like Habib or Nate, but I want to hear from you. And also, if that is the case and one of them is going to be legitimate, um, what, time, what type of timeline are we looking at? Are we talking about five years, ten years, or maybe never? So let me know and have a great morning. Thanks, man. So, yeah, there are a lot of fighters who have done the promotional thing. Uriah Faber is another one. Uh, James Krause, another one with FAC. Um, there's others as well. I know like Zach Otto was in there for a while. 
doing that. And then he kind of came back to fight for a little bit. And I mean, the, the right answer is none of them. None of them are going to be competitive with the UFC. It just depends on what you want, like what your goals are. Now, I know for, for like Mazadal, like Mazadal has these promotions, but Mazadal also understands that like they ain't competing with the UFC. Like they're just not, they're not going to. But what they are trying to provide, Mazadal especially, and he's told me this in person, he wants to give fighters on the regional scene an opportunity to be noticed so that the UFC will sign their guys. Like he wants to be a feeder for the UFC. Like they, he knows he knows that Icon is not going to be competitive with the UFC. He knows that, but he also wants to provide a platform for some of these up and coming guys to get to the UFC. And we've seen it with a couple of guys like Hamdi, uh, Rod, Pete Rodriguez, another guy that got signed. Bo Nickel uh, is another person. There's there's a, there's a couple others as well. Uh, that some some got contender series shots this year off of Mazdal's promotion. I believe two or three of them got signed this season outside of Bo. So I think Mazdal's just happy being the outlet and trying to giving giving back. And I feel like Pettis is probably the same way, and Uriah is probably the same way. And you know, Kraus teamed has teamed up with the UFC. They did a looking for a fight for their promotion. They did something with the full send dudes and couple of guys got contracts off of that. I think Eagle FC is trying to somewhat position themselves to maybe be a competitor with the UFC, but they've also said many times, like, we're not here to, like, compete with the UFC. We're here to provide options for fighters. So let's just say, you know, Kevin Lee's a great example. Kevin Lee released, had a beef with Habib for all these years, was, like, the one dude before Habib became champion and said, I want to fight that guy. And what does Habib do? Does good business. Gets Kevin Lee signed, pays him decent money, although Kevin Lee is taken to Twitter and seems like he's taking Habib to task a little bit. Who the hell knows what that's all about? But none of them are going to be able to compete with the UFC. None of them. And that's fine. Like, Eagle FC probably has the best chance, but they just don't, like, their best... The best things that they have done over the last year, year and a half was they built that complex in Miami, held events in Miami. They got guys like Kamara Usman. They got guys like Chael Sonnen. And, you know, whether you like his commentary or not, Henry Cejudo, you get some very big names. And then you stack the card with fighters that you know. It's very WCW-ish where – you know, Rashad Evans is probably not going to be fighting at a super duper high level, but he's still fighting and people care about that. And you get Kevin Lee and the Diego Sanchez's and, you know, Bellator seems to have a good relation with them trading off fighters from time to time. Like the answer is none of them are going to compete with the UFC, but I will say just judging from like a traffic standpoint, there have been, there have been weekends where there was no UFC or if there was a UFC. There have been events, weekends where Eagle FC had a card on Friday in Miami and then UFC would have a card on Saturday. Bellator would have a card that weekend and maybe even BKFC and then Eagle FC's traffic would just run them over. We would do, Jed and I, we, for a while before we did this show, Jed and I 
would do like these, we just jump on and do Twitter spaces, like do watch alongs for some of these cards. Like we did them for like the final couple prelims of the UFC. We did them during Bellator, but the ones we did for Eagle FC were the ones that were by far the most attended because people just wanted to talk about it. Mostly it was people making fun of Cejudo's commentary, but those are fun. They just don't do enough cards in Miami. I don't, I don't get it. They, they got to do more of that. But they, again, none of them are going to compete with the UFC. Bellator, PFL, one, none of them are going to compete, compete with the UFC. They're in the conversation. Eagle probably has the best chance. Like we did our, we did like our, our little fantasy draft, our little fantasy promotional draft. And Eagle FC was coming off of like a pretty successful card in terms of business and traffic. So we added them as like the fifth organization to play around with. So the answer is them. If we're going to talk about like who is the closest and who can get some of these bigger names, but yeah, the answer is none of them. Let's get Kevin in here. Kevin. Hello. Which build-up, especially press conference, would you be more excited for? Hazma and Paulo Costa or Hazma and Kobe? For me, I think the entertainment-wise would be uh, Hazma and uh, Costa, for sure. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it's probably Costa. It's probably Costa. The Kobe one would just get... I mean, it depends on what you like, I guess, because that Colby one's going to get real ugly. Uh, and Costa's just going to be a little more loosey-goosey about it. I think they both have the potential to be kind of bad. But if you're giving me the choice to, like, watch one, it's probably the Costa one. I think it'll be a little more, a little more laid back. It'll get heated at times. But I just think the Colby one would – Hamza and Colby, just it wouldn't go well at all. It, we, we would be reacting to it in a, in a what the hell do we just watch kind of way, but in not in a good way. I feel like we'd get a what in the hell do we just watch reaction out of the Costa one as well, but in more of a, in more of a fun way, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, give me give me Costa Shemaev, especially if it's in Brazil. The Colby one would be ugly, and I kind of hope we would just keep those two guys away from each other. Although. I mean, some people like that stuff, but I wouldn't enjoy watching a press conference with those guys, but to each their own. All right. We're right at the hour mark and we're done. So thank you very much. I'm back at it this week. So we'll be back here again on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. BTL Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. We are getting the championship match we were supposed to get nine months ago. More than nine months ago, Phoenix Carnivale back in our lives. She takes on Jed Mishu for the undisputed BTL title. That should be a lot of fun. And then it's just going to be a weekend of craziness at MMA Fighting with one Invicta, Bellator, UFC, BKFC. So much going on. So much to enjoy together. And we're going to be talking about it throughout the week. So thank you all very much. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody.
listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.